With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Dennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. And we are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Sam and I are back this time with guest KJ Doyle from Guy Boston Sports. How are you doing today, KJ? Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So we like to start off with an opening question every time we record the show. Uh, this time the question kind of ties into what we're going to talk about. Uh, but KJ, obviously after the Celtics, unfortunately lost to the Heat. Uh, there have been some couch GMs running rampant over Twitter. So what's the dumbest thing you've seen on Twitter over the past few days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a few. Um, I've seen a lot of things. I don't know if you guys are referring to, to one of my tweets from the last few days, but I, I ranked, I did a top five ranking, the stupidest trades I saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stupidest idea I saw was sign and trade for Andre Drummond, which is something we've had to deal with for a while. The Andre Drummond trades have been, uh, you know, all over the place. A fan favorite. Year. That's it's been a popular name in Celtics trade rumors. Get a center who can't shoot and just rebounds all the time, which is great if um, you're looking to win the box score. But uh, unfortunately, that's not how basketball works. And uh, as you've seen, Jason Tatum can be a great rebounder when he wants to be. Tice can be uh, somewhat effective on the glass. I think that they would benefit a lot from somebody like Robert Williams stepping up and being a better presence, maybe transforming into DeAndre Jordan type, which I've compared him to in the past. If you look at their year two stats, very similar to those two. So um, overall, though, I do not think the answer is Andre Drummond. There's been a few dumb ones, though. I think my list was uh, five, Marcus Smart, just to shake things up. That's a popular one you've seen. Let's just shake things up and trade the first team all defender for whatever. Like, that's that's a good one. And the captain. Yeah, yeah. And then Kemba Walker for Chris Paul, which we can debate, but I'm not taking the 34-year-old Chris Paul that's more expensive. I'm sorry. I know that might be a debate, but, you know, Kemba A. Walker is an all-star. People didn't realize Chris Paul was barely an all-star this year. He just didn't make it. But um, And then, uh, of course, the Jalen Brown for absolutely anything and Gordon Hayward for nothing. I think that was pretty much what rounded out my list. Uh, yes. I, I was telling Sam about this on our last show. I ended up fighting with a guy on Twitter. I guess having a conversation wasn't really a fight, but he suggested we trade Jalen Brown for R.J. Barrett in the first. So I thought that was that was pretty fun and entertaining. <laughs> but I got nothing for those people. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the idea would be there reunite, reunite the Dukies, yeah, Jason Tatum, uh, R.J. Barrett, who of course didn't play together. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that I need another Duke basketball player. Yeah, no, man, I, I got nothing about that one. I just kind of ended up saying, well, agree to disagree, bro. I don't, I don't know what else to say to you at this point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. It's not even like R.J. Barrett was really that amazing no. this season either. Not that they got to play a whole lot because of COVID, but. Uh, no, yeah. You know. It's just everybody likes to panic. After the Celtics lose in any scenario, they're just like, okay, we need to trade this player, this player, and this player. And like you said, KJ, just to shake things up, you know, just to, just to change something for the sake of changing something, I feel like. But 
whatever, we'll get through it. The Couch GMs will eventually start watching the Patriots again, and we'll get away from them trying to change the Celtics. But uh, Twitter, like we've been saying, is a completely fucking wild place. Uh, and one of the more wild things I've seen is all this stuff about Gordon Hayward. I've seen someone attack him for wanting to go home to see his kid. Like, after they lost, they're like, of course he wants to see his kid because they fucking lost, and he averaged five points. I'm like, dude, he like he had a child. What are you, what are you talking about? Ooh, you, you want to see your family? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do? Go home and, and, and hold your child for the first time? Oh, look at this guy. Look at Dude. this guy. He wants to. He wants to see his baby. We hasn't met yet because he played. Absolutely not worth the max. Oh fuck, dude! It's like on the comment of him like holding his son too. Like, there's comments under the picture. I'm like, are you guys fucking okay? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, I I don't get what goes through their heads when they comment this. It's like, like I said this to Sam. It's not like basketball's his entire life. People who work at McDonald's don't fucking sleep next to the deep fryer. Like they have other shit to do, just like these guys. So. It's it's crazy that this stuff goes through their head. What have your thoughts been on all the Hayward slander and the trade rumors and all that shit, KJ? Yeah, I mean, my Twitter has just been blowing up the past few days. I've had quite a few viral tweets, at least as far as Celtics Twitter is concerned. Uh, maybe not, the, you know, I'm not having the uh, weird, like, one-liners that just everybody, it's so relatable that everybody gets, like, 100,000 likes on. But I'm having what we call Celtics Twitter viral, which is, like, 3,000 likes <laughs> everybody that knows what actually I'm talking about. Most most people on Twitter don't, probably. But, um, yeah, Gordon Hayward was one of the biggest. Uh, I just said, basically, you know, I posted something on Guy Boston Sports, social media manager uh, for them, and I posted basically that Gordon Hayward uh, was, he was deciding to opt in. There were reports out there he was deciding to, to opt into his contract, according to Tim Montes, or he planned to at least. And people were like, no. Oh, man, Gordon, no, don't opt in. And it's like, first of all, you should have known this was happening. Like, he wasn't going to opt out of all that money. And second of all, people are just, re it's just recency bias. They're reacting to what they just saw. And on the one hand, what you just saw was really bad. On the other hand, what you just saw was a guy decide, I'm not going to go home and be with my pregnant wife because I know those people would be like, well, you know, and, and but a sentiment I've seen a lot, which I'm going to get, I'll get to in a second, actually. But they, they, with all these people saying no, whatever. And I said, you know, this guy just for, for got, forgone his child's birth, his first son's birth, so he could play basketball for your favorite team. And he played through like nerve damage in his foot or in his ankle or whatever to, to play basketball for your team. And you're being so disrespectful to him. It's disgusting. And I know some I person agree. said, nobody's ever going to take you, take you seriously if you're being this much of a green teamer. And I'm like, I'm not really being a green teamer. I'm just being a compassionate, good human being, like supporting somebody who's been through some hardship here. Like that doesn't, if that makes me a green team, I think it just makes me a good person. But uh, anyway, I posted that. And then we had, we got some responses like, Isaiah Thomas played through, you know, his sisters, and I'm like, if you're going to use... Yeah, everybody Isaiah loves Thomas, him. If you're going to use Isaiah Thomas's situation to justify you ragging on Gordon Hayward, that is one of the worst... You have to be one of the worst human beings I've seen in my life. First of all, you should not mention that when you don't have to. You don't, And I'm sure Isaiah Thomas would agree. Just because he also did something that was, you know, a, a hugely admirable, I guess, from or... or who do respectable at the very least that you know you you go play through that kind of hardship doesn't mean Gordon Hayward doesn't also deserve credit, which goes back to a larger which which parallels nicely to our larger discussion about the Celtics, which which is just because the Heat also overachieved doesn't mean the Celtics didn't overachieve themselves. So it's kind of uh, both of those conversations tie in nicely that 
Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward both did things that were tremendously respectable. Isaiah Thomas maybe more so, and you should. They do owe him a lot of respect. Heat and Celtics both overachieved the season. Just happened to be that the Heat overachieved a little bit more. That doesn't mean the Celtics should get totally discredited for what they've done. Something I always like to say is, if I get hit by a car and you get hit by a Mack truck, am I not allowed to feel pain because you got hit by something bigger? Like, that's not how life works. Like, I'm still fucking in the hospital because, like, I hit by a car. Like, you can't just say, oh, Isaiah Thomas went through something worse and completely discredit everything Gordon Hayward has done for the team. So, I I agree with you there. I think the people who just say trade him because he struggled a little bit after, you know, spraining his ankle, breaking his leg, and missing his son's birth, uh, he needs to go because he... And also, why the fuck wouldn't he opt into $34 million? Like, you're telling me if you had the option to take that money, you wouldn't take it either? Like, any sane human being on this earth would take that. Sam, what do you make of all the Hayward bullshit? I agree with KJ a lot. Um, Recency bias was something you mentioned, and I couldn't agree more. Gordon Hayward had a really great season when he was, you know, healthy. And I don't think that should be discounted the way it has been. Um, he averaged 17 points per game, shot 50% from the field, almost 40% from three, if I'm not mistaken. Like he was really good and he was possibly the best player on the bubble Celtics before he went down. And unfortunately he had to rush back because of the Eastern conference finals and he wasn't able to be 100% healthy and it showed. And now everyone wants to give him a hard time for it. I don't think that's very fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big thing there is 50% from the field. I mean, that is higher than Kemba Walker, higher than Jalen Brown, higher than Jason Tatum. And I think people will tend to, like, they act like Gordon Hayward misses every shot. And in reality, the, the fact that his percentage is so high is insane. That is insanely efficient. Not only that, but he's also uh, probably the fourth option on this team, third or fourth when he's playing. Because Kemba and Jason are number two, and then Jalen Brown really should be number three because of how well he's been playing and developing. And then he's got to step into that smaller role, and he's still being able to capitalize. I do know there were injuries throughout the season that made it so he was a uh, in a bigger role than he might be on a full healthy, fully healthy team. But it, it shouldn't be discredited at all. And he still kind of deserves the money he's getting. Maybe not a max, but like he's still probably worth, like I don't know, $20 million. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, I guess it, it, it depends on, I mean, something like that in that range for sure. I mean, Gordon Hayward, I don't know what he would get on the open market right now, but you're right. When you're averaging 17 points per game as the fourth option, you have to think if he was still the number one option on a team, if he was that this year, he'd probably be averaging over 20 a game. Like, I don't think it'd even be a question. Yeah, he's probably at the same level he was before he got hurt the first time. It's I mean, just, he's definitely been efficient enough to have people be satisfied with him. I just People are just never satisfied. It's just because he's, like you said, he's the fourth option. Sam, didn't you have some guy say that he wasn't worth the max when we signed him? Yeah, I was actually just about <laughs> to say that. Yeah, some guy was trying to tell me that he wasn't even worth it when they first signed him. And then I told him he was part of the problem, and then that was the end <laughs> of the exchange. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Gordon Hayward did when they first signed him, he was an all-star in the Western Conference where it is very difficult to make the all-star team. And he was, just had led the Utah Jazz to the second round where they lost to, God forbid, the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, that's not exactly 
uh, an easy accomplishment. So he, he was certainly deserving of a max contract. Anyone was going to get it, give it to him, whether it be the Heat or the, the Utah. Um, yeah, anybody was ready to do that. So to say he wasn't worth it is just flat out ridiculous. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he, like you said, he led the Jazz to the playoffs. And everyone's like, oh, Donovan Mitchell did the same thing next year. Yeah, but, like, Donovan Mitchell's also a very good player. Like, that doesn't just... He's also going to end up leaving Utah to play for the Celtics someday. (laughs) Sometimes there are parallels. All right, all right. But um, one of the bigger things we've seen is, like, Oladipo and Turner and in those trade rumors. I don't know about Oladipo. I feel like that's kind of redundant with all the wings that the Celtics have and Marcus Smart and everything. Uh, I like Turner. He fits on the Tatum Brown timeline a little better than Tyson. I think he's, I don't know if he's necessarily like a lot better than Tyson, but I do think he's better. And I do think he's younger, better defender, at least. Uh, KJ, what do you think of Turner and Oladipo in Boston? Oladipo is interesting only because I actually don't agree with it. But that's why it's interesting is because Oladipo can be a really good player. was an all-star similar to Gordon Hayward and also got injured, a devastating injury similar to Gordon Hayward. So uh, I worry that fans are like, yes, let's trade Gordon Hayward for Victor Oladipo and deal with the same things you dealt with with Gordon Hayward. I mean, and the same issues even uh, to, you know, double for, because of the fact that uh, it is, you're right, a little bit redundant because uh, is is Oladipo going to be happy being the fourth option? I don't. I think if anything, he'd be less happy than even Gordon Hayward was being the fourth option, and then you get in some trouble there. I also wanted to mention real quick about Gordon Hayward, which was something I was I was trying to look up, uh, which was because of, because he was so efficient with his field goal percentage, um, and, and I factored in three point attempts here because. Obviously, if you're just shooting right at the basket, like your Hassan Whiteside was originally on this list before I factored in three-point attempts. So it was ridiculous. So I, I had to put in three-point attempts to factor in for shot difficulty. But do you know how many players, minimum 700 field goal attempts and minimum 40 three-point attempts, shot 50% from the field this season? Is it like... So let me, I'll give you those numbers again. 700 field goal attempts, 40 three-point attempts. 50%. How many players shot at least 50%? Um, I feel like probably Chris Middleton almost did, but I know he didn't. I feel like it's, it's gotta be like, I don't know, 10, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's too much. Three. Three. And, and I'll give you some credit because Chris Middleton did just miss out 49.7. So I would have given Chris Middleton the nod if you really pushed me on it. It was Nikola Jokic, (laughs) Anthony Davis, and Gordon Hayward. So, so don't steal, don't steal this from me because I'm going to tweet this out after after we get finished recording this podcast. <laughs> a ton more likes on that as well. But that that is the kind of company Gordon Hayward's in. I'm sure wow. I'll get a few people uh, getting a little bit mad that I'm going to tweet this stat out. So so be on the lookout for that. If you listen to this podcast, one go like my tweet. Second of all, uh, go just go check it out to see the funny replies to it because that is going to be pretty hilarious and that's like especially crazy because the other two are like big men so they probably take around like 43s and like and when you factor in how many more threes hayward probably took than those two it's even like wilder right i've got to imagine yeah i'm i let's see if i can get this number mm-hmm. hold on you three point attempts actually um actually unfortunately for you i'm sorry to, sorry to point this out for you Uh-oh. but these guys did shoot around the same uh, amount right. of attempts they were all they were all about 200 i think Whoa. anthony Davis was 218 hayward was 222 and Jokic was 255 you know it's the modern nba Jokic so. took more threes than hayward this year yeah Jokic was a 255 i mean he, he's a good shooter i mean especially in those playoffs i remember reggie miller was pointing out Jokic has got to keep putting them up so i mean um, yeah. that I mean, is ridiculous to shoot that many three-pointers and shoot 50 percent from the field so 
Those wow. guys, you give those guys a lot of credit. Next on the list, by the way, LeBron James. So <laughs> if, if you really want me to to put out that entire list, it's Anthony Davis, Nicole Jokic, Chris Middleton, LeBron James. That's that's it's one to five. Then it gets a little worse, but we don't need to talk about that. like we like we won't mention the fact that like Lamarcus Aldridge is the next. <laughs> Derek Rose, like we'll ignore that. We'll just yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. Davis and Nicole Jokic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Davis and Jokic alone—that's two MVP candidates with Gordon Hayward, a guy who obviously doesn't deserve the max and needs to be traded immediately, right? So it's just yeah. what, whatever, I mean, man. Every time I see Nicole Jokic or I see him, I think about the fact that the Celtics could have had him for I think uh, the Jalen Brown pick, which, by the way, at the time would have been totally absurd to do. Totally absurd trade to make. To trade uh, the third overall pick for a guy that just a year prior was taken in the second round, hadn't really shown like real star potential. Like he looked kind of good. Like he looked better than a second round pick. Like maybe a starter, but he didn't look like this. But even still, I think about like, man, what we could have Nikola Jokic right now if we pulled that off. But it would it would have been so. Danny Ainge would have been crucified for at the time. Mm-hmm. That you, you would add three months leading up to the season. And uh, a few more months beyond that until Jokic really found a groove and, and found out what kind of player he was before Danny Ainge would, would finally be justified. And that would have been a rip job for a long time. Instead of Jimmy Butler, you got Nikola Jokic. I mean, they could have taken him with 16, too, because we had Gershon that draft, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Yebuselli stan. I love Yebuselli. Uh, that's my guy, but... You know, I still think if he, I still think he has a chance to break back into the league. You know, PJ Tucker style or or somebody like that. And he just leaves the league for a few years. You know, gets finds finds his game. Sorry, I just hit my foot on the table. You're good, you're good. Um, finds his game and then you know gets gets back in the league. So Yabuselli, just throwing that out there. It's don't give up hope on Yabuselli. He could come back. I still believe in him as a as a very offensive Draymond Green. Yeah, I think. I've seen people say, like, Grant Williams is everything people wanted Yabusele to be, which is super sad, because I love the dancing bear. Like, Sam, did you like Yabusele when he was here? I feel like we've had this conversation. I don't think anybody didn't. Yeah, okay. You he's know? just, oh, he, he didn't. Oh, just that arrow move with the dab, like, oh, iconic. Fucking Boston icon in one season, but... Um, past the Hayward trade, we see all these people thinking we should trade Marcus Smart now, too, which... I, I think that's like almost worse than a Hayward trade. What do you what do you think, KJ, about the smart things? So smart, I would be open to hearing deals on. I'm not doing it, like I said, I'm not doing it just to shake things up. But it depends on what the t- trade is. Am I doing Marcus Smart for Miles Turner? That's a tough one. I don't think Indiana is doing it, but that I, because they have Brogdon already, they don't really need Marcus Smart in that way. But it's somewhat interesting. It's just a, a little bit interesting because of fit. I I'd ultimately, I, I'm not, like I said, it depends on the trade. I'm not dealing him for nothing, but I'll, I'll you know, listen on Marcus Smart. I'm not totally committed to this team. I'm not, you know, I think Danny Ainge is the same way. He'll listen on anybody, and if it's a good trade, he'll make it. But he's not going to seek out any deals this offseason just for the sake of seeking them out. That's not what he'll do. He'll take calls on everybody and, you know, see what comes in. If there's a trade he likes, he'll make it. Mm-hmm. Sam, I know you're fundamentally against trading smart, right? Or am I am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, I just feel like he's too valuable to trade. I mean, obviously, if you get an amazing deal, I mean, you kind of have to. But, like, Marcus is someone that's really hard to find to replace, if, if yeah, that I, makes sense. That's the thing about Marcus is I definitely value him. Like, first team all defense, that is very, very tough to replace. You're right. 
But somebody made this point. I forget who it was. I think it might have been Chris Gasper of the, the, the Channel 5 News, where he said that Marcus Smart is really unique, but that doesn't really equate to value so much. So Marcus Smart, nobody can do what Marcus Smart does, but the value that just because that's a fact doesn't mean his value is any more or less than just what he is as a player. So I, I like I said, I, I don't know where I would value Marcus Smart. I, it's tough to like put him on a spectrum. I, you'd have to give me, you know, all like a hundred or 200 NBA players and I'll rank them somewhere, but that would take me some time. But you know, it, I, I like, I think, I think you're right that it's hard to replace him and certainly being that all defense type player is super valuable. And I don't doubt that he, could potentially be in the you know real really in the running for defensive player of the year next year and might have a shot to win it if he plays well enough but i just you know i'm not he's not untouchable to me and like i said it depends on i guess what you could get yeah the only reason i say well i wouldn't say it's the only reason because i do love marcus i i like that he's been here a while which isn't a justifiable reason not to trade someone but like also I feel like you need somebody like Marcus to win a championship, which is something you've definitely heard before. Like, it's not an original take or anything, but, like, I agree with it. Like, I feel like, I mean, look at the Warriors. They had Draymond Green, you know, the Celtics back in the day. They had Rondo and Tony Allen. Like, there's always a player that's gritty that's going to make the the winning play at the end of the day, and that's what you need. And I don't know. I just don't think you can give somebody up like that that's shown – I mean, unless it's an incredible deal, but like, mm-hmm. not for a minor upgrade. So something I've seen, I know Sam, I'm pretty sure you're against it, but KJ, I wanted your thoughts. I, I know we've talked about this with Adam Taylor. I think he first brought it up to me and I've seen it on Twitter, but you take the 14th pick in Marcus Smart, deal them for the number two pick to Golden State. Do you take that, KJ? That's tough. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think I do because... I am obsessed with the idea of getting a, another star that is young to pair yeah. with Tatum and Brown for the future. Yeah. Like that, that consumes me. And it's part of the reason why the fact that we don't have Tyler Hero makes me so mad. Because <laughs> I would, like, I, I, you guys know, I've mentioned already, I think Gordon Hayward's really good. Yeah. There's going to be a certain point where he's not on this team anymore. If you could have a wing pairing of Hero, Brown, and Tatum for the future, like that would have been perfect, especially because Hero's, you know, catch and shoot guy. He doesn't need the ball, you know, as much as some other guys would. So, you know, it, it makes uh, sharing the ball around a lot easier. And so he would have been so great. So I, I definitely would think about doing it. And the question then is who do you take? Obviously, I don't know if you would want to take, you know, do you take Lamella Ball? Do you take Anthony Edwards? Who's even there? Who goes one? I don't know that I love those either of those guys, how they fit with Tatum and, and Brown. I suppose LaMelo Ball could be interesting. Anthony Edwards, I don't. That's more of a, you know, slashing wing. I don't yeah. think that really well. You already have Brown for that role. So maybe Ball would kind of fit there. There are rumors. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to this. I just saw very, very vague rumors. So do not hold me to this at all. <laughs> but I saw some rumor that, like, Philly was interested in, like, a Ben Simmons for the number one pick swap. Yeah. Pick. Mellow ball that was like some really like underground rumor going around so uh i don't know but i think i would just do it just on potential alone i know this draft's not great but and that's probably why golden state would be interested in doing it 
but it is guard heavy and you could use the, that kind of player for the future. So uh, it, it certainly entices me. I think, yeah, I would probably pull the trigger on that. It, it's tough because, like, you also have Wiseman, who I don't think it'd be worth the second pick. I feel like he's more like three, four, five ish. Because, like you said, Lamelo Ball, if he's there at two, like the potential there is insane. Like a giant point guard who can pass. And when you have the defense that Boston already has, like, yeah, you're giving up the best defender, arguably in Smart, but you still have Brown and Tatum who are becoming some of the league's best swing defenders. You don't really need necessarily, like, too much help. So offense is maybe more of a priority. Sam, I know you're against the second overall pick thing. Uh, do you want to just state your argument? Yeah, the, the reason I'm against it is because you're going to trade, like I said, Marcus, who is a rare talent for someone that's not proven yet. That's the only – you know, if there was, like, a guaranteed – deal i guess but i don't know yeah but if there was a guaranteed player up there that was like surefire can't miss the golden state's not giving that up so like i think that this is the rare occasion where you could get a pick that high for marcus smart otherwise you're, you're not going to so i don't know even if golden state would do it now i question whether that's the, there's legitimacy of that at all like i think if i was golden state the deal i'd be trying to do is i would want to use my $17 million trade exception, absorb some sort of contract. And I'm going to write about this in the coming days, probably. I've been planning it for a while, but it's been hard to figure out all the machinations of it. Basically, they have a $17 million trade exception from Andre Guadalla. And you cannot use that um, to package with uh, a deal, which is the monkey wrench. You can't package that exception with other players. It has to be exception for one player straight up. So that's kind of thrown a monkey wrench in my my, uh, doing this. So I've had to figure a lot of stuff out. But what they can do is they can trade the trade exception for somebody straight up, absorb a $17 million contract. Then they take whoever they take with the number two pick. Cause you have to, after you make a deal for somebody, you have to wait a certain number of months before you can trade them again. So you take the two, number two pick, you take whatever player you, you absorb with that trade exception. And then at the trade deadline, you trade that player you got for to match salary. You trade, I think it's Drain. Is it? No, it's not Draymond. It's the trade exception. It's, who else was in this deal? Uh, I'm trying to think. There was some. Why I'm like I'm trying to think. Why did this deal work before? Who did I have in there? Was it Claire Steph? Who else? Did they have somebody Wings. else making a lot of money? Wings. I can't even. Think. Either way, it was some way to get Golden State Is to Andrew Wiggins. Oh yes, 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 yes. Stop it, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So it was Andrew Wiggins. Whoever they get with this trade exception and the number two pick to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons and Al Horford. So you allow Philadelphia to dump out Horford, you and then they, you know this might sound a little far fetched, but they kind of did a similar thing with D'Angelo Russell. You know, you just find a way to rearrange your assets, wait a few months, and then deal them again. So they, they they're certainly in the the uh, kind of you know in the business of asset management, like in that sort of way. So you bring in that you, you deal for you take Al Horford off the Sixers' hands, who fits with you better anyway, fits with Golden State much better, and you can have a starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, and Al Horford. And you have, and like, talk about the perfect teammates for Ben Simmons, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like, that'll space the floor for you. So I think that's the deal I would try to make if I was Golden State. Um, but if they don't want to risk it, if they don't want to wait, then sure, go ahead. I think Golden State, though, if I had to, be, if I had to guess, they, they have shown some patience. So I think they would probably uh, wait on this pick and try to get something better than Marcus Smart. I don't know how well... Smart really fits with their team anyway. I mean, Although it would be interesting to see Smart and Draymond playing together. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I feel like Smart would be one of the most perfect backcourt partners for Steph because you can just move Clay to the three. He's what six seven. He's giant. He can play the three. So you have that defense next to Steph, like already on top of an elite defense. It's just I, I think the Warriors are one of the most interesting teams going into this free agency to see what they do because. They do have that second overall pick. They have two of the best players in the NBA coming back. Draymond's going to be better than he was this year because he has players to work with, and he's one of those guys that he's not going to be good on his own. And then you have Wiggins, who's not he's not bad necessarily. He can like shoot the ball to some degree, and he's not incompetent. So it's just a matter of what they can do. Jayhawks, baby, Embiid and Wiggins. (laughs) That's all Andrew Wiggins needs. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Uh, Just. I don't know, man. The, the Warriors are definitely interesting. Uh, Sam, what do you think of the whole, like, Warriors situation, I guess? And I don't know, like, who would you take if you were the Celtics that they did too? Like, everything we're talking about, Sam. See, I know nothing about college basketball, so I'm kind of awful bad. <laughs> um, I but, I mean, I feel like Wiseman the, the thing they... You're right. Wiseman is kind of the guy yeah. that, that makes the most sense if maybe LaMelo Ball let's say. That's probably the best fit. I mean, then there's a Kongwu, though, because, like, we haven't seen Wiseman a lot, and we know a is good. Yeah, I mean, the the thing um, about Danny Ainge's band, and referring to this, is he said something that kind of relates to this discussion, which was this, that sometimes you need to make moves for fit, and that's what he said, I think, going into his draft. Um, He said that uh, in a recent interview, so I think that if it came to that, for whatever reason, however possible... He certainly would do that. Another name to watch, I guess, just to throw this out there, is maybe Mo Bamba or maybe Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. You do trade Gordon Hayward. I think Gordon Hayward for Vucevic makes some sense from a fit standpoint. So if it, you know, and I think uh, certainly Mo Bamba, a guy they tried to get in the draft a few years ago, tried to trade up for supposedly, um, that would have been, you know, that would have made a lot of sense too. And uh, if Orlando's ready to give up on one of those guys, I think the Celtics should be ready to pounce. So this kind of wraps back around. Sam and I, I think, mentioned Vuce the other day, too. It's just, like you mentioned earlier, just this eternal obsession with trying to get the young pieces to fit with Jalen and Jason. Because as good as Hayward and Kemba are, and trust me, I, I love them both. I love them, like, with all my heart. I don't want to trade Hayward unless we get a good trade. Kemba's an all-star starter, for Christ's sake. It's just the timelines. There's two very different timelines going on with the Celtics. So you got to eventually start thinking, okay, Jalen and Jason, when they're in their prime, Kemba and Hayward are going to be far, far out of their prime. So it's a matter of getting these assets. So out of all the free agents or even like, not even free agents, all the moves the Celtics could make this offseason, KJ, would you prioritize getting younger and the fit or would you prioritize a win now thing? Because I don't want to rush the process like the Sixers did. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think if I, if it were up to me, I would probably prioritize getting somebody that fits better with Tatum and Brown's timelines. I think that's your best bet to win. I think you're right. If you rush it like the Sixers did, that can create some real problems. I think that that's a big takeaway from the season for me is just that, you know, I understand people want to win now and that's fine, but at a certain point, these guys are still very young. It would be unprecedented for for Jason Tatum to be the highest scoring player on a championship team. Unprecedented for him to do that at his age. So, I mean, in the last at least 30 years, you know. So, um, I just think hopefully people start to recognize that. I think not, not enough people are. But 
I, if it were up to me, I would certainly say, you know what, let's just make sure we, we stay on course. Don't, don't listen to the fan pressure that's all about, you know, compromising the future for the now, because that's the way the fans have always been. They, you know, they wanted to trade the third overall pick for, you know, like nothing, they just anything when it was Jalen Brown. So I don't, I, I, say, I say nothing to avoid saying Jimmy Butler, which might be actually <laughs> a debate now if you want to do that. But at the end of the day, Brown and fits better with Tatum. And the timeline wise goes back, all goes back to that. So, and I think that this also relates back to the conversation about Chris Paul, which is, um, I think the, the move that should really be looming as far as this discussion, because if you choose a win now move, you might choose Chris Paul. Let's just hypothetically say that's a win now move. If you do that, like what did Chris Paul do last time? He was with like a young emerging star forward, Blake Griffin, those two didn't get along too well. So I don't envision Chris Paul getting along too well with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, at the very least Jason Tatum. And it, I know Jalen Brown, I think Jalen Brown's very involved with the Players Association, so is Chris Paul, so maybe they already have a nice little relationship. But if you want to play with the worst-case scenario there, it's that uh, Chris Paul can drive a wedge between those two players. So I'm a no one Chris Paul. I'll put that on the record. I do not want Chris Paul. I think it would be, a, be an issue. I think it wouldn't work. So if he, if he does get here, I hope it would work, but uh, I'll put it on record now that I won't go back on it. That I, my, my official stance is that if the Celtics get Chris Paul, it will not work, and it's going to be a bit of a mess. I mean, yeah. Sam, what are you thinking about this offseason? Do you have any like things in mind? What timeline do you think the Celtics should follow? What are your, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I personally do not have a problem with the two different timelines, at least right now. Because I feel like that gives you an opportunity to win now and also later, if that makes sense. Like, if you look back in, like, the 80s, it is different now. But, like, so when Larry Bird was young, they had Tiny Archibald as the point guard rather than Dennis Johnson. That was a move they made later down the line. So, like, I feel like Tatum and Brown might be good enough to where, I mean, Kemba's also really good. And he was playing probably a little bit hurt with the knee. Because, you know, he didn't look like himself. And Hayward, obviously. I think with those four, they might be good enough if everyone's 100%. I'm also a massive homer. So that's also another thing. But I don't know. I just feel like it is possible to win now and later. And I don't think they need to do anything drastic. I mean, it just it just really depends. Maybe they can package their picks to move up in the draft. Who knows? Yeah. That's, the, that's my favorite thing that I've heard. The package to move up. I'm as Jack knows, I'm not a massive trade guy either, just because I'm such a homer that I don't like giving up players. Yeah. I can never be GM. Yeah. That's that's the next thing I kinda wanted to bring up. What do you what do you see the Celtics doing with their picks, KJ? Because last year they took what, they have five new rookies on the team, drafted four, signed Taco. Like I can't see them doing that again. I don't think they even wanted to do it last year, to be honest. So what what do you see Ainge doing with like the three first rounders he has this year? No, yeah. I think the picks are different. I think Maybe what you try to do, and this is going to sound a little far-fetched, but you try to keep 14 and trade the other ones. That's going to be a tough trick to pull off, especially in the perceived weaker draft. But look, last year you traded Aaron Baines for basically a first. So if you trade two this year, can you get a better role player? Like, I think that that shouldn't shouldn't be too hard. It should be possible. So you should be able to hold on to 14. I would say trade the other picks and get a serviceable bench player. And I think they will be inclined to do that because, look, 14 is not worthless. And I know we all wanted a higher pick than 14, but it just didn't happen. So 
you look at some of the players that were taken in that range over the last decade, Giannis was taken in that range. Kawhi was taken in that range. More recently, Shai, Gildas Alexander, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Michael Porter Jr. Like, you can get really good players. You can get star players at 14. So if it was me, I would hold on to 14. I would swing for the fences, and I would trade the other picks for a, a good bench piece, a 3 and D guy. There, there aren't a lot of them out there. but hey, that works, too. Somebody, if you can get somebody like that that can actually knock down shots off the bench, which is just going to be a catch-and-shoot player, you don't want somebody like Rozier or like Marcus Morris who wants the ball in their hands, wants to ISO, just get someone that's going to spot up in the corner, knock down shots, and play some defense. That's what you need. I think the problem is, in, you know, two years ago, was that, sure, you had bench scoring, but they all wanted to be ISO players, and that's not what you need. You need someone that can be a bench scorer without having their ball in their hands too much. So I think that's that's what I think they, sh- they should look to do, and I think they will look to do. At the end of the day, look, Danian values these draft picks, but you don't have room for all of them. And he, he acknowledges that we need to improve this, this team a little bit more and bring in some other pieces. And, you know, you just you can't keep making draft picks. You need to make a trade eventually. So I think I envision him doing that. But we'll see. And now a quick word from our sponsor. See, we, we talked on the last show. Why not bring Aaron Bainz right back? Like, I feel like he'd be the, one of the a perfect setter. <laughs> yeah, that's a free agent move. But as far as no, yeah. uh, I know, you guys know that. But yeah. um, but uh, the the reason I bring up, bring up the picks is obviously for like Aaron and Aaron Baines would be perfect. I love him back too. But you know, you, you, it's hard to. I don't have anybody specific in mind, and I know that the money's a little tight, so they might have to throw in, God forbid, like Wanamaker or Vincent Poirier or something to, <laughs> to match whatever player they're bringing back. But yeah, you, you probably make a move like that. And, you know, you ship him off to somewhere. I mean, the guy, the trade that I really want is Lou Williams and I don't know how you make that happen but you might have to give up 14 if you want to do that or uh, something else or whatever it may be but that's what I would really try to do I think Lou Williams is perfect I know I just said they need a player that's not an ISO player and that's exactly what Lou Williams is but I think as far as creating off the bench Lou Williams is a veteran and he's, he's enough that he, he wants to win and I don't think he's going to be like Morris or like Rozier who are a little immature I know you might point to the whole wing scenario and Atlanta with him and then disagree but you know he he seems like a guy that's ready to sacrifice for a team to win and can do a lot with uh, maybe you know not so much uh, you know he's been a six man of the year so many times I know he plays a lot but yeah he can do um you know a, a good amount when you need to be that other creator that they kind of need off the bench and so if they can get Lou Williams I think that makes a lot of sense I mean yeah the first person excuse me at the top of my head I can think of, because I was trying to think of what teams would take picks for a role player and, like, the cap. I mean, if the Spurs are looking to kind of hit the reset button a little bit, Derek White, I feel like, would be solid. He can stand in the court, he can defend, he can hit his shots. And you you never know what the Spurs will take, because Pop came out and said, like, oh, I'm not leaving, why would I leave? And I don't think the Spurs are in a place to make the playoffs next year by any means. If, If anything, I think they'll be one of the worst teams in the West, which is unfortunate, but it's the reality of basketball. So I look like Derek White, and I know Bryn Forbes is going to be a free agent. I like him, too. And like one of those wing players that you can just have to, you know, even out the bench a little bit. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And also the connection, obvious connection there with Forbes and the Celtics and Team USA. Yeah. They played together there. So I think that makes sense for that reason, too. Yeah, and then, like you said. I say Forbes, I meant Derek White there. And then outside of, you know, trading for free agents, I know everyone says this is like a weak draft, 
I feel like they're saying it's a weak draft because there's not necessarily a Luca or a Trey Young, but overall. And also, by the way, uh, because we didn't see March Madness, so yeah. March Madness is the time that we really get to see these prospects and we find out who we like. And even outside of that, you know, the experts are saying it's a weak draft. Okay, so it's it's there's some truth to it to be sure. But at the same time, you can still find stars in weaker drafts. The yeah. draft I just mentioned, Giannis, that was a weaker draft, and they got him at 15. So you can, there's still always diamonds in the rough. Yeah, like I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at a mock draft or whatever, and I'm seeing people around 14. I've seen Cole Anthony. He looks solid. Like He wouldn't be bad on the Celtics. I've seen Theo Maladon. He doesn't look bad. Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, Nico Mannion even. Like all these good guards, like you're saying, it's a guard-heavy draft that would fit with – Brown and Tatum timeline, and we don't need a superstar out of this draft. Like it'd be nice, obviously, but uh, Tatum and Brown are primed to be the best two players on a championship team, in my opinion. So even if you can get like uh, uh, close to all, not even close to all star level point guard, just a point guard that can fill the role and play good basketball and hit his shots. That's all I feel like the Celtics need to look for if they, Cole, like you said, keep fourteen. Cole Anthony is interesting, but he's actually similar to Romeo Langford in that. Guy that was highly recruited out of high school, looked like a top prospect, yeah. and kind of fell in the season, you know, the, the various different things. So uh, they're kind of similar prospects in that vein, um, a little bit different as players, but, uh, you know, I think Romeo is a little bit uh, more of a defender, a bit better defender at least, than, than but both really good athletes. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Someone like that does make some sense. It depends what they think of Romeo. I think they've already talked about the fact that they expect Romeo to play more next season, which... Look, I mean, Romeo Langford, I, don't, I wouldn't make much of the fact that he didn't play this season. Brad Stevens usually doesn't play rookies. Look at Jalen Brown's minutes when he was a rookie. Look right. at Harry Rozier's. You know, these guys didn't play a lot. Uh, and and J- Jason Tatum certainly did. But obviously we know Jason Tatum's a different type of player. So, um, you know, I think I wouldn't read into the fact that Romeo didn't play too much. I certainly would still love to have Tyler Hero over him. But, he's, you know, I wouldn't give up hope yet. He could still turn things around. It could just be the same thing Brad Stevens does with all his young players, or most of them at least. Yeah, I just think the Celtics need to – I'm not sure what they'll do. I'm sure Danny Ainge will do what's best for the team. I trust him, and I'm I'm considering the Celtics lucky to have a GM like Danny Ainge when we're not the Knicks or the Kings where they just kind of shit the bed every year. But, hey, uh, it's great to be a Boston fan, I suppose. But moving on, I guess, past the Celtics stuff, Doc Rivers in Philly now, five years, three days to get the deal done. Sam, I'll start with you. What do you think of the fit there? Um, I – I think I might have said this on here before. I think Doc's a little bit overrated of a coach, even though I love Doc. Don't get me wrong. I really do like Doc. But, I mean, I feel like he could have won more championships here and if he might have been a better coach. I know they had, unfortunate injury luck and things like that. But, I mean, really, I mean, if you think about it, didn't perform that well in L.A. He had those star-studded teams throughout the 2010s, and they won, what, three playoff series, I believe I saw? No, yeah, it's iffy. Do you share that same sentiment, KJ, or do you think it's a good fit there? I mean, it's an interesting fit. Uh, Doc Rivers, uh, you know, I think he got somewhat of an unfair shake in in L.A., but at the same time, like, yeah, sure, he didn't deserve the blame for that series. I think you could argue No, yeah, I agree with you. I I think he didn't didn't deserve the blame for Game 7. You could argue that. He also, you're right, he severely underachieved while he was there. He never even made a conference final. And the goal there was to win a championship. The goal when they brought him in, when they traded for him, that he wanted, he said, I don't want to coach a rebuild in Boston. I want to go coach a contender, so I'm going to go coach the Clippers. And the idea was they're going to coach him to a championship. And he never even got close. Okay, and 
and I know this stat's been thrown around, the fact that he's the only coach in NBA history to blow multiple 3-1 series leads. The only coach to he's the only coach to blow even two 3-1 series leads, and he's blown three. So I mean that is bad. That is bad. But in some ways, that makes him the perfect fit for Philly. I think he'll be the perfect <laughs> fit there um, because they're such well losers. Done. <laughs> I'm just I'm only kidding. I love you guys know I love to poke fun at the Philly fans. Me and the Philly fans. Who doesn't? You know, we, we like to take jabs at each other. I'm laughing the whole time. They actually hate me. But, you know, uh, Philly, Philly uh, uh, in all seriousness, it, I mean, Doc Rivers is a player's coach, and they could certainly use someone who can deal with players that might be one to be emotional or fly off the handle a little bit, like uh, not to name names, but a few guys like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, so... Yeah, I think that from that standpoint, it makes sense. I just don't see them finding much success there. And from a personal standpoint, it really hurts me. It really hurts me, Doc, that you would do this. I mean, for, it's, it was one thing to leave us uh, high and dry for, for the Clippers the first. Now you go to Philly, it's like I'm getting ready to say Doc Rivers is dead to me. I'm not there yet, but I, I saw the picture up here. I'm staring at it on my on my wall, him and Paul Pierce, but... Yeah. Um, I'm not going to cut out his photo yet, but if they beat the Celtics next year, I might just, you know, I might, I might just take some scissors and just cut Doc Rivers' face out and put Brad Stevens' face on there, kind of like what people do with their exes or whatever with yeah, those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just do that. Yeah. Um, actually, you bring up Brad Stevens. I'll, I'll shift there for a second. Sam has this argument that if Brad Stevens was the coach of the 08 Celtics, they would have won multiple. Oh, titles. I thought you were going somewhere else. No, no, no. I mean, you can I think bring they up something else too, but. But um, do you want to explain your, your thoughts there or whatever else you thought I was going to say? <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking to him, dude. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I just think they had a lot of talent not, I mean, to repeat. or at least, I mean, there were injuries, in fairness. But uh, KJ mentioned him blowing the 3-1 leads. He never did that here, but he did blow 3-2. Uh, 2010, 20. 2009, they blew one to the Magic, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously 2012, when they lost to Miami. So that's three times that they did that. Now, Brad Stevens has done that against the Cavs. So, um, you know, that's a thing as well. But I don't know. I just think Brad is a better X's and O's guy, and I think you guys would probably agree with that. And, you know, we saw him take that 2018 team on quite the run. Uh, a couple years back. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just think he would have been able to manage the talent maybe a little bit better. Maybe get a little bit more out of the guys. I don't know. Or at least, so when KG goes down in 2009, maybe he gets more out of the rotation guys there. Yeah, because, I mean, the 2018 Celtics team that made the run uh, effectively had, what, one all-star playing for it? in like Horford or yeah something like that yeah meanwhile it was Horford yeah, yeah. Hor- the 2008 Celtics had four all-stars at time so KJ do you think Stevens could have won more chips than Doc did with those uh, so that's scores? the take that's what it is that Stevens would have won more championships with those Celtics right. than Doc Rivers did I think so correct me yes. if I'm wrong yeah, yeah yeah okay I probably would disagree because I think I think Doc was just the right coach for that team like they loved Doc Fair. all those of Doc and it was just like that team was very like rah rah rally around and like Doc's a perfect coach for that I don't know that the 76ers are necessarily that team I think maybe with Jimmy Butler they would be but like 
there's some like the thing with the Celtics is like they all came together and were like very very close, and that's why it hurt so much when Ray Allen left. Philly doesn't seem all that close, so I, I don't I don't know that that's uh, going to be as, as an effective as a strategy. And that was the same problem with the Clippers. Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, as I already mentioned, did not get along, and so it was hard for Doc Rivers to bring those guys together. And this year. I don't really know what Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's relationship is, but I mean, they were nice to each other in press conferences and they said they supported each other, but it didn't never really appeared as though they were best friends. So, you know, I think that Chris Paul, I mean, uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like they're still really close to this day and they still, you can still see how much those two like each other. So I think it's easy for Doc to do stuff like that with Brad, like that's more analytical, you know, would they have won a championship? probably maybe but you know I, I think that doc just worked really well with those personalities because it's like doc wants this kind of familial environment and that works and i think that's why they were able to play so well is because they were that connected and i i just don't i don't know if brad stevens creates that like kind of emanates that same energy yeah definitely very different coaching styles um doc and brad stevens i think you made a good point yeah i didn't even think about it like that where you know, you've got – I think he deserves more credit for winning in the first year as well. Yeah. You know, Doc had to inherit that team pretty much. And he – all these new pieces brought them together, they won. So, shout out to Doc for that. But, I don't know. I think that was a very good counter-argument to what yeah. I had to say. Definitely fair. Jumping back forward to this year. KG, let me ask you this. Who the hell is going to take that Clippers coaching job? Who in their right mind wants to go coach that team now? Like that's it, It's got to be the highest pressure job opening in like the NBA right now. It is, but also potentially the most lucrative. So that's, you know, you could step right in there. It's going to be your best shot at winning a championship. And you're revered as a great coach all of a sudden just because you, you inherited a great team, which mm-hmm. is what some people would argue happened to Steve Kerr. Though I think <laughs> Steve Kerr was. I think he stepped in there, and that was that helped a lot. I think that, that he, he deserves more credit than he did, but I'm just saying some people would make that argument. So there's two sides to that coin, right? Is is you know if you don't win, you're lambasted. But the, the other benefit of it is the Clippers they gave Doc Rivers a lot of job security. He was there for a while. So I don't know. Are you going to have the same job security? I don't know. But if you're just going off of that, you can say. Hey, yeah, I mean, they fired Doc, and maybe he didn't deserve it, but he, he had a long run there, so maybe I could too. So I, I think that that's what you're holding out hope for. Although, if it is the two names I've heard, which are, which are Jeff Van Gundy and Tyrone Liu, yep. Yep. like, I don't know. If those, first of all, I don't know. First of all, Jeff Van Gundy with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, like, that does not seem like a fit to me at all. Stan Van, or sorry, Jeff Van Gundy. He doesn't seem like a fit in the modern NBA whatsoever. Like, he's very much 90s basketball coach. So I cannot see his style working in the NBA now. I don't know why he keeps his name keeps getting thrown in with these jobs. That would be interesting to see. Ty Lue, look, I don't know really much. I, I don't know how I feel about Ty Lue. He was on a team, a lot like the Clippers, that just had a lot of talent. And yeah. I think it's kind of fair to look at – well. See, now I feel like I'm, I have some bias now because I'm saying Steve Kerr deserves credit for what he did with him, the Warriors, when he stepped in. Although he made a much bigger improvement with the Warriors yeah, and that's didn't have LeBron right. James. Like, it's, you know, the Warriors were a six seed and they didn't have arguably the best, one of the best players of all time when Kerr stepped in. That's, you know, any coach that's coaching LeBron James isn't going to get that much credit. 
So I don't love the Tyloo idea, but if he if he, they do bring him in and it does work and Tyloo wins a championship, Tyloo's going to start getting looked at as one of the best coaches in the league, and he's going to deserve it. If you lead two champions, I don't care who is playing on that team. If you're able to do that, then you deserve a lot of credit. It's the same thing with, with Phil Jackson. Like, yeah, I get it. He had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan. Scottie, like, he had great players. But to do the, the, go, to all those kind of runs with two teams is pretty impressive. And I know, you know, Ty Lue's not exactly winning six championships with each team uh, or six and five. But, you know, it's a, at the very least, it's still, you know, you're winning one. And, and that's if you're winning one in two places, not a lot of coaches can stay claim to that. Certainly Doc Rivers can't. So. So hear me out here. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you you mentioned like Jeff Van Gundy is a 90s coach. Like all these guys have to get along with these players. So like you can call me crazy here if you want, but this is just like an initial idea that I've been having. So you talk about Doc Rivers, like they love playing for him, the energy guy versus Brad Stevens. We said like he's very X's and O's. Kenny Atkinson is a name I haven't seen anywhere since he got canned I love from the Kenny Atkinson. You, you know what? You know what's interesting though is you bring this up, and I hate to cut you off, but yeah, yeah. Ty Lue was Doc Rivers' assistant in LA. Mm-hmm. So, are you really changed that much? Like, I feel like Ty Lue and Doc Rivers, like they're both kind of players, coaches. You, you know, you're getting kind of the same thing. If you want to shake things up, then shake things up. But maybe, maybe I don't know. There's always the chance. I mean, they're totally different people. Yeah. So maybe there's a chance that George and Leonard just like Ty Lue better. So, I mean, there's always that chance. But, um, you know, I, even still, like, I would still kind of look at it and say, you're just promoting his assistant. Like, and it, was, it would be the same thing with Sam Cassell, who yeah. I think Sam Cassell absolutely deserves a coaching job. I think he absolutely, absolutely does. But Cassell's been there even longer than, than Lou, obviously. And mm-hmm. so Cassell would be even closer to Doc. So, I, like, these players, like, the, the coaches, it's ironic that the Sixers, or that the Clippers, I should say, have so many uh, so many good coaches on their bench that I think certainly mm-hmm. might deserve head coaching jobs. But I just I don't know why how it makes sense for them when they were like they were there already and they're kind of doc disciples and in some ways some ways they're they're not entirely certain they're not syncs I would be but yeah yes yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense maybe I mean just throwing it like maybe like Alvin Gentry I could see if mm-hmm. but Alvin Gentry hasn't worked in a lot of places but you know if you wanted somebody that to to bring up from the outside. You know, like I, that's the only name I can really think of that would be any different than Doc would be because you know Gentry's a little more like up tempo and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. No, yeah, always I... bringing Brett Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, just flip coaches, just flip it. Brett Brown's a joke. I'm gonna miss Brett Brown. Yeah, because you're a Celtics fan, you miss Brett. Brown. Oh, I know, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's hard pass on Brett Brown. Look at him. Brett Brown, you know, the Sixers really tried to do right by him. They said, you know, we're going to bring you in and we're going to decimate your coaching record because we're going to tank, <laughs> but we want to give you a real, real fair shake with this team. And it's like, you should have just fired Brett Brown a while ago, man. Like, everybody does this. Everybody brings in a coach to be, you know, the the scapegoat when they're terrible. So just, just fire them. Like, that's just the way it goes. Sorry, buddy. This is the NBA, like you know and and i you know in some ways it's commendable what they did but like it was pretty evident after year one of Embiid and simmons like fred yeah, brown yeah. not the when, guy. when they lost to the celtics the first time that probably <laughs> should have been it <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, when they lost to the 12 year old Celtics in five games and had Marcus Morris clowning on them, you know that's just the beginning of the end for Brett Brown. <laughs> um, and then he got another year. Yeah. <laughs> and he lost to Toronto in seven. And they said, you know, we're just going to give one more shot at it. And it's like, well, that was one too many because this year was a disaster. So, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and think about, think about, by the way, think back. If they fire Brett Brown after that Celtics series and they still make the Jimmy Butler trade, that could go totally differently because by all accounts, it was Jimmy Butler and Brett Brown were the ones the ones that really had problems. Yeah. Jimmy got along with with uh, with Embiid and Simmons doesn't sound like he got along too much with, but Simmons a bitch. that's beside the point because I think the real problem was with the coach. So if you have a different coach then, then all of a sudden do you keep Jimmy? Does it really work out? And I tweeted this out as a joke, again I keep mentioning my tweets, but um but I said this, I said behind that little meme where somebody's peeking out from behind the wall and yeah, control yeah. that thing on Twitter, I said uh, that the, the the Celtics losing to the Heat is actually a worse look for the Sixers and the Celtics because they let go of Jimmy Butler for nothing. So, you know, that's... Kind of is, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So you think that situation could have gone totally differently and do you still have Jimmy Butler to this day and is it you in the NBA Finals? Yeah, man. I don't know. Sixers have always been a joke. I just like... Going full circle for like a quick sec before we move on. I just like Kenny Atkinson because before he coached that net team, like you can t- you can't tell me you knew who Spencer did when he cares over and all those players were like he got the most out of every player on that team. Broke the the and Nets. He made Angelo Russell an all star. Oh yeah, the Nets were like, a Angela joke. Russell, people forget now. Russell, nobody wanted to touch that guy. Yeah, he got traded for the twenty eighth pick and Brooke which Lopez. is worthless. Yeah, the, the Lakers sold him off. For spare parts, and I know they got Kyle Kuzma out of it, but that's, you know, they, they got a nice little player at 28. Kyle Kuzma's nothing special, but it's a good player to get at that range of the draft, okay? Yeah. But either way, the 28th pick is, is it, it, in and of itself, is worthless. And he got D'Angelo Russell, they got D'Angelo Russell for it at the time when he, he had no value, and he got turned into an all-star. And, you, and I'm going to say this, even though it's not technically true, but I'm going to say it just for effect. And they flipped him for Kevin Durant. They were able to trade D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant, even though that's not really how that works. It was a sign-and-trade situation. But still, they tra- they traded the 28th pick for, for D'Angelo Russell, and then they traded D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant. Talk about paper-clipped NBA star. I mean, look, what a bad look for the Lakers. They could have had, supposedly, Kevin Durant for D'Angelo <laughs> Russell. What, I, and now I'm, just, now I'm going a little overboard. Hey, but yeah, Kyle Kuzma for KD. Kyle but it is really impressive, you're right, what, what Atkinson was able to do and, and make D'Angelo Russell into an all-star, and now D'Angelo Russell is not so much an all-star anymore, but still a really good player. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just think he'd be a good fit on one of these rebuilding teams, like maybe even the Pelicans or whoever else needs to coach. The, the, yeah, th- the Thunder. The Thunder. Like, I think he'd be nice with the Rockets. Like, yeah. The young guy, just, you know, the, the younger, basically, you might argue the younger version of Mike D'Antoni with how he mm-hmm. plays. So yeah. uh, why not just go for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving on, last thing I think I wanted to talk about. It doesn't have to be a lot. I wanted both your thoughts on this. I'll start with you, KJ. Do the Heat have a chance still? No. (laughs) Couldn't contain my excitement. It depends what happens with this injury situation. I know, you know, as we're recording this, Game 2 is getting ready to start in a few hours here. Bam's not playing. Yeah, and you had Bam Goran Dragic uh, both both banged up, and that hurts because Goran Dragic was a guy that look the Heat don't have a lot of great perimeter defenders, and Goran Dragic would have been really nice to have. Like if you got him on a switch against Kyle Kuzma or you know uh, KCP or whoever, like you know even even the KCP is not terrible defender, but 
you know, it just it would have been nice to to have Dragic be able to do that because the strength of the Lakers is obviously on the wing, and uh, you know, to have Dragic kind of go up against those those lesser players would have been nice. Uh, you know, I, I still, I, I mean, going into the series, I looked at it and I said, you know, they have the wings to to slow down James. They have Jay Crowder and Andre Vidal and Jimmy Butler, who like I'm not saying are great, but they're they're multiple bodies to the front, which is what you're looking at, what you're looking for. And they had Bam for Anthony Davis, which is like a great matchup to have. If you, that's like one of the best matchups you could ask for defensively. If you need anyone to guard Anthony Davis, you probably Bam out of Iowa is probably somewhere at the top of your list. So I mean, matchup wise, it looked pretty good. And now, as you lose Drogic and Bam, it's not looking too good anymore. So do I still give them a chance? With just how hard they play, I feel like I have to. Like those guys play 100 miles an hour. It's ridiculous, but it's not looking good. Yeah, no. Sam, what are your thoughts on the series? Heat? Yes, no? Really pissed the Celtics aren't in it. That, that's <laughs> how I feel. Honestly. Yeah. And, and people uh, brought this up. They dropped the ball. Somebody else brought this up, but, like, just having shot makers, like, shot creators in this series is so huge because that's what that's the type of series the Lakers want to play, and they're going to dictate the style of play because they're the better team. Okay, so, uh, you know, and that's not always the case. But, but either way, the Lakers are clearly the ones dictating the style of play, and the Celtics are able to play that way. So I think that they would be much better off. I think the ratings people have talked about, the ratings would be much better if it was Celtics-Lakers. But, you know, it's just hopefully the Heat bring it back and they, they start playing hard again. Because game one was hard to watch. That was a blowout. And, mm-hmm. and that's another factor, too, is that people were like, oh, why didn't we get the ratings did? Because people went on their phones, and at halftime they saw the Lakers were 20. So, like, what's the point tuning in for that? So, and, and the Heat got up to a, to a hot start. If they can just, you know, duplicate that and, and – uh, not start not totally fall victim to the Lakers just immense talent then maybe they can maybe they can make it a series yeah I mean I, I wrote about this for Bannertown USA uh earlier today uh the shooting numbers in game one Lakers shot 40 percent from three the Heat shot 30 percent uh that's just like you can't predict something like that like the Heat have been one of the best shooting teams in the NBA. Lakers, this playoffs in the bubble have been terrible. So all it's going to take is for Duncan Robinson to get hot and the Lakers role players to shit the bed like they have been in the past. And it's a completely different ball game. Like, obviously, I'm not going to discredit the Lakers. They smack the shit out of the Heat. And there's nothing you can say to change my mind on that. But it's just a matter of the Heat getting hot from three. If Tyler Hero makes his shots, if if they just make their shots, that's a ball game. And that's, I think that's what it comes down to. The Heat just have to have a better shooting game, and that was atrocious in game one. But uh, I think they do have a chance. It'll obviously, like you said, KJ, help to have their all-star center and Goran Dragic back. But regardless, I think there's always going to be a chance just because of who Jimmy Butler is as a player. But uh, Sam, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we you know, wrap everything up? Um, No. Not particularly, right. no. I'll just correct you real quick. You did say they're also centered Goran Dragic. I know you meant Bam Adebayo. I meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I meant to yeah, say. Yeah, I just wanted to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure that was clarified. <laughs> I think I meant to say they're all-star center and Goran Dragic, but I, I you know, Goran Dragic, in case, unless he grows like a foot overnight, I don't think he'll be a center oh. anytime soon. But that being I mean, said. I'm, you know, I want Goran Dragic drug tested. <laughs> good board. You know, I, I, that was the one thing I said going into the series. I was like, Goran Dragic is out of 21 a game. He is not going to keep that up. Like, that's, yeah. you know, and uh, it turns out he was able to. So, yeah, listen, I just – make Goran Dragic pee in a cup. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I do not – I look, he, I mean, he was good in Phoenix, but he hasn't been that player for a long time. So, yeah, right. I don't know. Isn't there something like taking steroids makes you more susceptible to injuries or something? I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> 
but it sounds right. So I'm just going to throw that out there to end this thing. Cause I don't oh, know, man. man. Just go, I'm looking at Goran Dragic with one eye, like, mm, man. on with you guys. <sighs> Crazy shit. I know Sam hates Goran Dragic, so it's a deep, He's a real prick. <laughs> deep hatred there. But like you said, we're going to wrap things up here. Do you want to tell patriot, you said, huh? You say true patriot? No, true hatred. True hatred. What did um, I say? I oh, why you... would you think he was calling Goran Dragic a true patriot? No, I thought he was calling me a patriot. No. Oh. I don't even know oh, what I, I said. See, I see. For hating what? Goran Dragic from Slovenia? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought he was saying. I don't even know what I said. Like, I can't remember three seconds ago. I just completely lost what I said. Anyways, we're going to wrap this up here. Do you want to tell people where to follow you, KJ, and what you got going on and everything like that? Yeah, sure. Follow me uh, at by KJ Doyle on on Twitter. I post the best sports memes in the business. I'm sure Jack and and mm-hmm. to that. I'm you know pretty pretty uh pretty active on there. We're gonna try to keep up with the Patriots. You know, I've had some good good Patriots memes in the past too, especially that beautiful beautiful situation last year with Antonio Brown. So so many good memories. Um, some some bad ones for sure too. But you know, just uh, as far as what I was able to put out meme wise was was great. So just keep. I, I post. I'm telling you, the best sports meme <laughs> in the business. I said that in a Zoom call recently. Somebody said they liked it, so I'm gonna make my new tagline and keep up with everything. I also run things over a guy off the sports. So all the tweets you say they see there are probably mine. I tweeted out something yesterday about who had the better season as a short guy, little guy. Was it Isaiah Thomas or? Calvin Cambridge from the movie Like Mike. Not too many people found that funny. I thought it was funny, but that's okay. Um, anyway, I, I post better stuff than that. Around, so go check that out too. Well, appreciate you coming on, KJ. Can confirm sports memes are A1. Go check them out uh, by KJ Doyle. I'm at Bannertown Jack. Follow at Bannertown USA as well. And for usual, Sam, you want to wrap us up here? Yep. You can follow us at Bannertown USA. Follow KJ. KJ, you were a great guest. It was really fun to talk to you. Um, you can follow me at Bannertown Sam. That's our show for today. Bye.